Welcome to the Personality Psychology Podcast. I am René Matus and I am the host of today's show. My guest today in this podcast is Joanna Sosnowska, and we will talk about a range of different things related to personality. And I think Joanna will offer us an interesting angle on the field because I think she represents two seemingly quite different areas of personality research. On the one hand, she's interested in personality dynamics. And on the other hand, she's interested in applying personality in the context of work settings which typically hasn't been particularly focusing on, uh, on the dynamics of personality or processes within individuals, but more on stable individual differences. And in the last issue of European Journal of Personality, Joanna published an article about personality dynamics, and she will also have a special issue coming out in July in European Journal of Personality, focusing on applying these dynamic systems in workplace settings. So among many other reasons... The, the recent paper and the upcoming special issue uh, is why Joanna is, um, is with me today. So hello, Joanna. Maybe we start with you introducing yourself a little more detail than I did just now. Yes, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me today. I'm very happy to be part of this podcast and talk a little bit about my research interests. I focus on dynamic systems thinking applied to personality and applied to work behaviors. So what does it mean? It's actually very fascinating because it sounds like a very complex issue that people are like, what is it? But actually dynamic systems are everywhere. To give you some examples from everyday life, human body is an example of a dynamic system. The way birds fly together in a group, it's a dynamic system. A city, organization, team at work. So all of these, what they have in common is that they are set of elements that are connected to each other and that change over time. And that is pretty much the essence of, the, of a dynamic system, is that it's a set of interconnected elements that change over time. So when we're talking about dynamic systems thinking, we're talking about looking at complex systems and how they change over time. So what I did in my PhD, I used that perspective to look at personality. So looking at personality as a dynamic system, as a system of elements that change over time. And I looked at what does it mean in applied settings, specifically at work, whether actually changing that perspective on personality will help us to understand better both personality, but also the outcomes of personality. As you may know, the primarily focus when it comes to personality in work settings is, of course, on traits. So looking at traits, looking at these stable individual differences, and what do they mean at work? So dynamic system goes one step ahead of that because it supplements that descriptive idea of personality with processes. So looking at changes in personality. And at the moment, I am assistant professor and I work for Amsterdam Business School, University of Amsterdam. And now I am branching out a little bit. So focusing not only on personality per se, but other organizational behaviors uh, and where we can actually apply dynamic systems thinking beyond just personality. Do I get it right that the dynamic systems approach to personality has some similarity to the network approach to personality, which has gained quite a bit of traction in, in recent years? 
Yes, indeed. Uh, so the beauty of dynamic systems perspective is that it's not necessarily just one model. So for example, in my PhD, I do propose a model of personality dynamics that looks at momentary uh, states and how we can aggregate them to get some information about how much people change in their momentary states, how fast they change. But of course, this is just one model. While dynamic systems perspective is more of an overarching perspective, and a lot of different models that have emerged recently, they can very easily fit into it. But the crucial element here is that role of time should be always present if we're talking about dynamics. So it's not necessarily not longitudinal study will be dynamic. It's whether time is actually incorporated in the model itself. That means a lot of measurements uh, spaced very closely in time, which would make it different from a longitudinal study is, is two, three, maybe four measurements. We're talking about 10, 30, 40, 50, maybe 100 measurements. Yes. Yes. Indeed, that's the thing, like to actually uh, examine dynamic uh, phenomena of personality, you need intensive data collection, you need a lot of measurements. But what's really interesting, and people, personality researchers often forget about it, that processes of personality are not just on a state level, but they are also on the trait level, right? So if you think about it, there tends to be that division between traits and states. States change, states are malleable, states are about processes, while traits are fixed, stable, never change. But actually, if we look at personality from a dynamic perspective, you can actually see these processes also in a long-term perspective, um, not just personality maturation, but there are also other processes that can affect and can trigger changes in personality. So that's what I find very fascinating, that it's on both levels. I think implicitly we are already talking about your personality dynamics model here. So maybe you could just introduce this. Yes. So what we did in my PhD, together with several other people, uh, Professor Yuri Hoffmans, Professor Philip Freud, we came up with personality dynamics model. And this is something, this is actually an example how we can take something very complex, but actually perhaps slightly reduce it to something simple enough that it will be meaningful in applied settings. If you want to do research on dynamics, dynamic systems theory in applied settings, it doesn't mean you have to make things very complicated. You can take some ideas. So what we do, we look into personality states over preferably uh, shorter periods of time. So for example, most of the studies we've done so far would be, let's say, over two weeks, three times per day, asking people same questions about their personality states. And then based on these momentary states, we aggregate them and we get some information about three parameters of personality. So we have personality baseline. This is quite similar to the way we conceptualize personality traits. So this average state level. But then on top of that, we are interested in how much people change in their personality states, which is personality variability. And we are also interested in that temporal dimension of the changes. So we have the concept of attractor strength, which basically tells us how fast people return to the baseline after they deviate from it. 
So for example, if you tend to be a very calm person, but something made you very anxious, how long will it take you to return to your typical state? There are three kinds of main parameters are basically the average level of a state, which would correspond to a typical trait level in other more static conceptualizations of personality. Then how much people vary around this average or deviate from this, how different they are from themselves in, in, in the short term, how much they fluctuate. And then uh, the third parameter, how quickly they return to their typical level if for some reason they happen to uh, go away from the typical level. Yes. This is an example how we can take something rather complex as dynamic systems theory and take some part of it in a way that is easily applicable because these parameters are then between person parameters. So we can actually compare people at work the same we would do with trait levels, right? We know that, for example, people that are extroverted are good for certain types of jobs. And perhaps here as well, we can also look, look into how these parameters can be translated into work behaviors. Do I get it right that you're also thinking of these dynamic processes within individuals as perhaps explanatory for differences between individuals? It's quite difficult. And especially the problem is that if you are in applied settings, I think that it's more about the descriptive aspects of personality and their predictive value in relation to work behaviors and other work-related outcomes rather than explaining how things happen. So in this case, I would say that the personality dynamics model is more on the descriptive side. It still contains some elements. Of course, it's still that, like I said, the temporal dimension, the within-person dynamics are still important, but it's more about describing them and whether they actually mean something in work settings. I guess historically people have taken this average state level which corresponds to traits and linked this to different workplace outcomes such as productivity or our turnover in some ways, deviant behavior for some examples. How much do these other parameters that your model described, so the, the variability of individuals within themselves from their typical levels and the, and the speed with which they return to their typical levels, how much do these parameters deliver for the prediction of these important outcomes in workplace settings over the sort of average trait level, the typical concept? One thing that is very important to take into account that it's still quite new. These studies, uh, if you compare it to the amount, the incredible amount of research that has been done in applied settings based on traits and these stable individual differences, you can't really compare it, right? So we're only at the very beginning of actually changing that perspective and supplementing the typical traditional trait approach with other perspectives. But what's also really important to pay attention to that from dynamic systems perspective, uh, the beauty of it is that each level, when we're looking at the system, let's say personality is a system, we have the level of traits, we have the level of states, each level actually brings a very unique perspective to understanding, for example, in this case, work-related outcomes. At the moment, I think it's really difficult to really debate whether states and within-person variability and processes, whether they actually have some sort of incremental validity over what we have already. For that, we definitely need much more research. 
but I think they definitely bring a different perspective. So I think that they will have to explain things that were perhaps difficult to explain if we look at trade approach. Another interesting thing, especially when we're looking at applied settings, is that dynamic systems theory and dynamic approach goes very well with the technology development. So if you think about it, the presence of the technology is growing so much in every aspect of our lives. And the growth is very exponential. Every year, there's more and more and more. Think about how the world, how the workplace has changed due to, due to the coronavirus and how things are changing, how much technology, how technology is important. And perhaps dynamic systems approach goes hand in hand with that because uh, with all the technology, the data that we get or that we can potentially get becomes extremely rich. And I think from such a rich data set, if we reduce it just to trait level, I think we'll lose a lot of information. And dynamic systems thinking offer a way to capture that on conceptual level, but also on practical level. When we're talking about statistics and stuff like that, I think that's why it's, uh, this is the future. I think this is the way the research, especially in personality, in applied settings, that's the way it's going to go to. How about the current pandemic situation and COVID? Is this somehow relevant for how personality in workplace plays out? Yes. So there's definitely much more coming up now related to personality, personality effects during pandemic, how it affects well-being. So I see not just in personality literature, but also uh, in applied literature, that there's a lot of studies coming up. Of course, we have to be quite wary in a way that uh, fast science, so like these fast studies, whether they're good, whether they're solid, whether they're well-made, of course they can be, but I feel like a lot of researchers perhaps felt under pressure to push their studies faster at the cost of the quality of the research that they do for the sake of like, we have a pandemic, let's get this paper out But on the other hand, it certainly offers a lot of interesting opportunities to researchers. Now our work life is technology, right? So everything is recorded. Everything is digitally done. So things like that will definitely offer a lot. And I actually have some interesting projects with some companies that we are working on where we capitalize on that a little bit. So for example, there is this app that we developed with a group of researchers that we used to collect experience sampling data related to personality, related to well-being. And based on that, we already have a lot of interesting results related to well-being at work and how these changes affect how people feel at work. I think that what's very fascinating about the current situation is that First of all, whatever was your situation before, I think it becomes even stronger. If there were things that you struggled with, it becomes even stronger, especially with work settings. And another fascinating thing that I noticed is that each one of us experiences pandemic completely differently. In my case, I'm in a very comfortable situation. So I have an excellent work home office settings. I do not have children yet. My partner works from the office, so I'm home alone. So like all together, I'm in a very comfortable situation. And after getting through the first couple of months of pandemic, I found my rhythm and it's actually going very well. 
But then not everyone is like that. There could be people in the same circumstances as me that would experience it completely differently. Yeah, this brings to my mind one of my favorite theories, Caspian Moffat's paradoxical theory of personality development. One of the ideas they expressed is exactly that these hard times or dif- difficult times are, are the ones that magnify pre-existing individual differences. And what you're saying seems to be going in the same direction. Yes, and actually that's something that um, that's the direction that I'm taking now in my research. So I'm starting to look into dynamics of resilience, which ironically becomes a very relevant topic now during the pandemic. So basically what resilience is, but from more of a process perspective, building up resilience as well, and uh, whether these disadvantages in life, whether these difficulties, perhaps they are actually necessary to build up the trait level resilience. Can I just go back to the special issue that will be coming out in July in European Journal of Personality? Do you have any um, papers from the special issue that you would especially like to highlight as examples of how the dynamic system thinking has delivered for a better understanding or better description of workplace behaviors or, or workplace dynamics? So I'm very excited about the special issue. We have very interesting papers that actually, as you say, show that there is a value in looking into uh, workplace behaviors and workplace personality from dynamic systems perspective. So what's interesting is that we have several papers that look into personality change. So this is something that is important part when we're looking at personality from a dynamic systems perspective, is that personality change. It's not just the maturation, but there are these processes that will drive change in personality. And like I said before, both on the state level, but also on the trait level. So for example, there is a theoretical paper that looks into how dynamic perspective on personality can help us to understand behavioral interventions, how we can use that knowledge to design more effective behavioral interventions in applied settings, which I find very interesting. Dynamic systems theory is also useful to look into dynamics of social relationships. So we have a paper that looks into how personality dynamics, specifically core self-evaluations, of the leader and follower go hand in hand. So how these uh, interactions between the leader and follower is actually so intertwined and how people feel about themselves, so course of evaluations, how it actually depends on their leader and vice versa. Of course, we have a couple of papers that look into predictive validity of within person variability in workplace settings, We also have a paper that looks into how life experiences shape long-term personality. In this case, whether international mobility of students is something that affects personality development beyond uh, what we typically consider as trait maturation. What I think is very nice that we have several different perspectives, although they are all under the umbrella of dynamic approach to personality, they show that the angles that we can take, what I said before also with my model, that we can all take different angles, but it's quite easy to see how they are all are related. This brings to my mind a question which I I often tend to ask from people because this is something that really, really puzzles me. You mentioned the role of life experiences on personality development. 
But I think the literature has been so far very clear in the sense that there are very few, if any, robust and replicable things that we can measure and that predict change in personality traits. Why do you think this is? One important thing to consider here is that the way we conceptualize and understand personality is not just about how personality objectively is, but it's also the product of the times that we live in. And for quite a long time, the predominant perspective on personality, especially in applied settings, was the trait perspective, simply because we didn't have enough methodological tools, statistical tools to actually go beyond that, right? So now I feel like we are on the cusp of like changing the perspective, and especially what I mentioned before, with the technological advances that we can take advantage of when it comes to the research, I do think that it can also broaden our perspective of what constitutes personality change and what can possibly affect it. So when I'm trying to say that uh, the whole change of perspective on personality, so moving from the typical traditional perspective, personality stable traits, going to more of a dynamic perspective, I am sure that there will be studies that will kind of like fit within to that dynamic perspective and discover that perhaps there are some life events, there are some experiences that trigger long-term changes in personality. And also there's already a lot of interesting research that shows how, particularly within workplace settings, how work experiences actually shape personality. So it's not just that personality is the predictor of work experiences, but it actually works the other way around. Work experiences will shape who you are. So in that way, there's already uh, quite a lot of evidence that there's this reciprocal relationship between personality at work and work experiences. Taking a step back, what do you think have been the biggest achievements that personality research more generally, on the one hand, and the, the fields that you are active in more specifically, what have been the biggest achievements? I would say uh, shifting towards dynamics perspective. I know that I'm a bit biased, but I really think that there is a strong potential. And to see that these ideas pop up through the research in applied research, so not even thinking about personality, I don't know, looking at teamwork from dynamic perspective, looking at organizations and organizational change from a dynamic perspective, I think that uh, researchers often forget that personality is people and the research that they should do, in my opinion, should be for people. So even if you're not in applied research, you should always try to consider how an average person can use what you do, right? So it should be going behind just the mental exercise of trying to work things out, what's behind personality and stuff like that. But actually, what does it mean to people outside of academia? I mean... We are missing that focus on usefulness of our studies. We get so f like lost in on like a very theoretical level. And don't get me wrong, this is very important as well. But I think there should be also that level of like practicality, thinking how people are going to use what we do. I think one of the challenges what the field is facing is that people may sometimes be a bit too eager 
to uh, jump into theories, whereas we are not ready yet. Could the same apply to attempts to apply psychological research that maybe we should do more very basic descriptive research and trying to get the house in order in that respect before we uh, attempt to apply these findings in, in applied settings? Definitely. So one and a half years ago, we've organized a small expert meeting on personality dynamics at work. And one of the crucial things that uh, came up in all the discussions is that we need fundamental research on what personality dynamics, what actually it represents. Uh, Also what I mentioned, we don't even have like a clear idea about uh, the link between traits and states or the link between states and behaviors or how much of it is actually the situation. So there's still a lot, exactly like you said, that we need to do when it comes to the very basic idea of dynamics and changes of personality. It's quite surprising how little actually we know even about the most basic things. And and perhaps one of the biggest lessons we have learned over the last decades of personality research is that things definitely are far more complicated than we ever thought. And they're definitely far more complicated than lay theories would have them. Often we really have to go back to the drawing board and start from the basics and, and, and be very happy if we can map these very basic descriptive findings, phenomena out, and then use these solid stepping stones for further research, either in the the applied direction or trying to build useful theories. Yes, but the tricky thing about it is in fundamental research, of course, that's absolutely fine. But then in applied research, is very often more about what works, what will give me more knowledge about behaviors at work, or what will help me to predict performance at work, stuff like that. That's why what you also mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast when you were introducing me, that there are these two completely different sides. So on one hand, we have theory, but then on the other hand, the applied aspect makes what we do different. And like perhaps the priorities when it comes to what we want to focus on in research is a little bit different. Yes, perhaps it's okay to, to have this diversity in the field in terms of aims and then the approaches that people are taking. Sometimes all we care about is practical applications, prediction of who will do great in a, in a specific job settings. And, and there are almost no reason to, to assume that for this, we, will, we would need to have a good theory. If we have a tool that does the predictive job, fine. But for theories, we need something else. Of course. And that's the thing, like trying to find the balance between both is very important. That's actually one of the reasons why we came up with the idea of the special issue, because after the small group meeting, when we talked with people that are also doing research, on one hand, it's theoretical. So you're applying new perspective to personality if you're looking at dynamic systems theory in personality research. But then on the other hand, you have that practical aspect. And it's quite sometimes difficult to get papers like that published, right? Because if you want to go to personality research, they might say, oh, this is too applied. If you want to go to applied research, they'll be like, "Mm, this is too much theory. I have one more question. We have the final one here. 
I think lay theories, and again, many psychological theories, often prescribe or hypothesize that culture plays a pretty strong role in the phenomena that they are interested in. And yet, empirical research often hasn't supported this a lot. And we are finding that uh, the way we measure personality, for example, is fairly insensitive to cultural differences. And the associations between personality with various other things also seem to be fairly replicable across cultural settings. But I can imagine, just as a hypothesis, that the way personality plays out in, in organizational settings in workplace could be one of the most cultural sensitive areas of, of this research. Do you think there is some evidence to back this up, or has this research so far been almost exclusively based on uh, non-Western European, Northern American settings? I think, unfortunately, it's the case where it's predominantly uh, focused on Western samples and also not even just about that, but also the jobs that we typically focus on, office jobs, managerial jobs that we focus on in our research. So I think this is something that we need to be really aware of, that what we know about work is not necessarily what we know about work in general, but a very specific, narrow sample. I guess it could turn out either way. It could turn out that this is yet another area of research where the culture actually doesn't matter as much as we we hypothesize it would, but it could turn out the other way, that it actually does play uh, an important role there. So we just don't know, right? Yes, exactly. Very good point. Thank you. I think it was a very interesting discussion and and trying to marry these two perspectives, strong applied focus and and this focus on the dynamics within individuals is a a very interesting angle on, on personality research. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Here's the summary of some of EJP's latest articles. In this podcast, I would like to highlight three articles from the latest issue of the European Journal of Personality. How predictable are future life experiences from personality traits and how to best predict them? I find the question of how strongly the person, this something within individuals that is measurable as personality traits, is linked with things that we tend to think of as outside the person, their experiences, one of the most important ones in personality psychology. And I think This is a question that has implications throughout psychology, because I have the feeling that much of psychological research implicitly assumes that whatever is outside the person, their experiences, is independent of whatever is inside the person. An assumption that is probably wrong, but just how much wrong? In a study by Wessels, Zimmermann and Leising, people's future life experiences, such as starting a relationship, losing something important and so on, were predicted by their big five personality domains and the narrower traits making up these domains. Importantly, both personality traits and experiences were rated by both participants themselves, their self-ratings, and by several other people who knew them, their informants. The authors found that future experiences were generally not very predictable from personality traits, regardless of who had rated the traits and the experiences. Also, narrower traits tended to provide more accurate predictions than the big five domains. Interestingly, participants were also directly asked how likely they thought it would be that they would face these experiences in the future, and these participants' predictions were then compared to what actually happened to them. Also, 
these direct predictions were more accurate than the predictions allowed by personality traits, these were not very accurate either. So, also future experiences are predictable to some degree, suggesting that they certainly are not independent of the more internal characteristics of people. For the most part, things may just happen, rather unpredictably. In any case, this article deals with a very fundamental question about the human nature. In another article, Priscilla Aha Amankwa and her colleagues deal with the question of cross-country differences, or put differently, cross-cultural differences in personality traits. This is something that has puzzled me, and I'm sure many others, for a long time. Defying profound national stereotypes, when the self-reported personality traits, or personality traits as described by informants, are compared across countries, the differences tend to be very small. That is, variations between countries are much, much smaller than variations within countries. In other words, it has seemed that we cannot really predict one's personality traits from their nationality, or the other way around, their nationality from their personality traits. This is puzzling, given the widespread belief that culture profoundly shapes personality. Many have thought that this is a methodological artifact. Perhaps ratings of personality traits are just not comparable across different cultures. However, author results of Aha Mankwa and her colleagues show that the seemingly unpredictable relationship between country and personality traits may indeed be a methodological artifact. They may be an artifact in a different way than typically thought. That is, at least to some extent, the cross-country variability in personality trait ratings may be due to how these variations have been modeled, rather than due to them not being there at all. More specifically, when the authors created statistical models to predict participants' country from their broad Big Five personality trait scores, the predictions were not that accurate. But when they used the more numerous, narrower traits that make up the Big Five domains to predict participants' country, the predictions were far more accurate. In fact, participants' country could be predicted with nearly 90% accuracy from personality ratings that had been not combined into a few broad traits, but left as they were, unaggregated. If we translate this level of classification accuracy to the strength of the typical associations observed in psychological research, we see that it is actually very staggering. For example, this translates to an average between-country difference of 1.7 standard deviations in the combination of all personality traits considered. Another way to interpret this is that we can predict one's country from their personality traits almost as accurately as we can predict their gender. And personality psychologists have long accepted that there are sizable gender differences in personality traits, so this should be a solid benchmark. So, Contrary to what many of us have believed based on existing empirical analysis, there actually can be sizable systematic personality differences between people from different countries. It is only that they ha are not well represented in our typical highly aggregated findings. Finally, Nathan Hudson and his colleagues focus on the ever-popular topic of personality trait change and ask whether the change has something to do with people's beliefs about them. That is, do we change in a trait more or less if we believe that we can change in it? 
Based on a study of four months change in early adulthood, the authors say no. People do change in their traits a little bit, even over that short time, but this has nothing to do with whether people think that these changes are possible or not. Perhaps change just happens.